clear communication can solve so many problems, even as a mom. Okay, that is Brooke Romney. She is my guest today on our Enter the Chat episode of the podcast. She is going to be sharing all of her wisdom when it comes to family and communication. You are going to love her. But before we get to the conversation, I just want to let you know about a special Chatbooks spring cleaning flash sale that is coming up. 25% off everything. This is hands down the best deal that you are going to get on Chatbooks. So start prepping your books for print and watch the app. And if you need some photo organization guidance, I have a link to my free photo decluttering course. I'll make sure it's in the show notes. All right. Happy chatbooking. Hello, hello, Brooke. I am so happy that you're here today. Welcome to the Mom Force. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to dive in with you. Well, you are the perfect person to enter the chat today to help us tackle some of the toughest questions around family communication. Now, I feel really lucky that we've become friends over the past couple of years, but not everybody knows you. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your very popular book series, Modern Manners. Well, I feel just as lucky. I am a writer, I'm a speaker, and an author. And my focus over the last few years has really been on teenagers and building those relationships, um, helping parents kind of navigate the world of teenagers. And one of the things that I found was there are hardly any resources for parents of teens. You can go and buy one million books about how to raise little kids, but when we really need it, there is very little out there. And I'm really passionate about helping teens feel successful and be successful. And one of the reasons why I created the books I created was because they kind of have two purposes. And one is to increase connection and communication in families. And then the other is to give teenagers the skills to be successful in a modern world. And they are called 52 Modern Manners for Today's Teens. And there are two volumes. So, And you have teenagers yourself. Tell us about your kids. Yes, I do. Well, my oldest just turned 20, so he is no longer a teenager. But then I have one who's almost 18, a 16-year-old, and an 11-year-old, which I guess is considered a tween. So I'm still pretty like in deep in that stage. So, Well, I feel like in this modern day, kids are growing up so fast. So yeah. these 11-year-olds are dealing with things that we did not have to deal with when we were 11. Kids yeah. are growing up fast. And when you're asking about why aren't there more books for teenagers, it, the thought dawned on me. I think parents get burned out. Like when you first get a baby, you're so eager and you just want to learn everything. And you, at least I did. I bought all oh, yeah, the books and totally. absorbed everything. And by the time I had teenagers, I had other babies and I was just like barely trying to survive. Yeah. And I think teenagers get a bad rap too. Like a lot of people said, oh, just you wait until they're teenagers. Well, I love teenagers. They are so fun to have their personalities come in full bloom and they become your friends. Yeah, it's one of like my favorite stages. And anytime, you know, I've had kids that are easier, kids that are really challenging. And still there is so much to enjoy in, in all the stages. It's so fun to have many adults there to, you know, they like the same things you like. You can talk about really interesting topics and it's just really fun to be involved in their life in, in a different way. You're no longer orchestrating, but you kind of get to cheer them on. And, and I think that's a really fun place to be. So. Yeah. Well, your books, they're, they're applicable to teenagers. They're applicable to preteens. I mean, I think all ages. Me, my husband and I, we've had some really good conversations around them. Um, and one of the things I love you do that you do is you post on Instagram, Monday Manners. And I just want to shout out this last post. It was, be a good listener. 
Active listening is more than just opening your ears. Face the speaker. Put your phone down. Make eye contact. Nod. Don't interrupt. Don't judge or jump to conclusions. Don't start planning to say what you're going to say next. Stay focused. So many great actionable strategies there because listening is crucial to good communication. And I am guilty of this. (laughs) too. Like I'll be having a conversation. I meet like, oh, I want to tell them the story. Oh, I've got this good thing to say. And all of a sudden I'm like, I can't remember their name. I have no idea what they're talking about. So these are skills and things that we all need to be putting into practice. Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny. Sometimes people are like, oh, she probably just has the best manners. And I'm like, every time I flip that book, I'm like, oh, that's a good reminder for me. Oh, that's a good reminder for me. We just did celebrate others. And it was a good reminder for me. Like I had a few jealous feelings and I was like, no, 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 like that's not who I am. I'm someone that celebrates others. And so I get reminded each week too. I think they're great for all ages. So none of this is one and done. It's an ongoing process. And as we grow and mature, we are facing new experiences. And so sometimes you have to learn these things all over again for that stage of life. Well, I want to dig right into some of the questions we got from our mom force community. This one is from Ashley and it's about confidence? Like how do we instill this kind of confidence to communicate with our kids? She says, do you have any tips on helping a six-year-old girl communicate her feelings? I'm trying to build a relationship with my daughter where she can talk about her day and specifically how things made her feel. Eventually, I want her to be able to talk to me about things that are uncomfortable and come to me when she needs advice or help. So Brooke, how do we help our kids build confidence? And are there specific strategies for what Ashley's looking for? Well, first of all, I think just giving yourself a little bit of grace, realizing that every interaction that you have with your kids builds that confidence. I think sometimes in our very like, you know, communication focused society, sometimes we think it has to be this really big moment, right? Well, we have to have the deep conversation and they have to share their feelings all the time. But what I've noticed is when you continuously connect with your kids, then when they need to, they're able to share their feelings. They're able to share those moments. They have, you know, they've put so many experiences with their parents in the bank that when it's time for them to withdraw, there's plenty to withdraw on. So that was my first thought. My second thought is it's really important what our reactions look like. And I think sometimes we don't realize that with our kids where if they maybe tell us something and we immediately jump to changing their mind, helping them see something different, sometimes they're like, yeah, Like, I don't know that I want to tell, you know, my parent this. Or one of my teens said once, like, to my husband, he was like, you give the worst first reaction. Like, it just makes me shut right down. And my husband wasn't meaning to do that, but it was just kind of this natural, like, he kind of, like, jokes and kind of pushes back. What he realized was, like, that wasn't working for that relationship. It made my one son just be like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you. You know, like, that's annoying. I don't want to deal with that. Or sometimes, like, if he pushes too hard, and a kid is just like wanting to share something surfacey, they're like, yeah, it's not worth even sharing at all. And so I think that's really important to realize what your first reaction is. So for example, if your six-year-old comes to you and says, you know, my friend wouldn't play with me at recess. And there's a really strong desire for a mom to say, that's okay. You have tons of other friends. It doesn't matter if she didn't want to play with you at recess. I'm sure you found lots of other people. The first thing you can do (laughs) is say, wow, that sounds really hard. How did you, like, that sounds sad. How did you feel? And then asking them, so what did you do? And then if they said, well, I sat by myself on a bench the whole recess, then it's a great time to jump in and remind them. You are so fun. There are so many kids that would like to play tomorrow. You know, 
what else would you like to do if Jane doesn't want to play with you tomorrow? Like, let's make a plan together. Instead of just making them feel like their feelings are silly or unimportant, you know, really acknowledging like, wow, that is really a bummer to be alone at recess. And when we start with that acknowledgement, I think it allows our kids to open up and be open to finding solutions. And I think this works really well at any age. Well, I, as you're saying that, I realize I am guilty of this. And in the context of like one of my daughters will say, oh my gosh, I'm so ugly. Like, I don't want to validate that. I'm going to say, no, you are not. What are you talking about? What do you do in a situation like that? Yeah, I think, I mean, some of those things are tricky, but I think it's important to be like, yeah, I totally feel ugly on days too. Like, I'm sorry you're having one of those ugly days. I I feel that. I get that. I want you to know that you are not only like beautiful on the outside, but you have so many incredible qualities. And boy, I would love to have some of these like you have. So acknowledging, I mean, because even though you say you don't want your daughter to say that or feel that, even as a woman, I'm sure you've woken Uh up and been like, this (laughs) is not my best looking day. I think sometimes we want our like teenagers or girls to feel so empowered that it doesn't matter. But there's, there's a really interesting idea that there is a gap between what should be and what is. And I think we have to acknowledge what is in the moment. Yeah. Should you be focused on your looks? No. Should you worry about, you know, when you're 16 and gorgeous, the fact that you feel ugly that day? No, you shouldn't. But is the reality that you might? Yeah, totally. And acknowledging that reality and then just helping them see that they're more or give them some examples. Like, guess what? When I'm having an ugly day, what I do is I just don't look in the mirror. Like I have so many other things to do and things that are important and thoughts I want to share. Like it's just a not look in the mirror date. So maybe you're having one of those. And I think just normalizing those feelings really helps too. Yeah. I had one of those days yesterday. So yeah, I get it. So being a good listener and validating the feelings and you're right, as a parent, we want, you know, we don't want them to have bad feelings. We want to immediately go to the, oh no, no, you're wonderful and you're good. But being comfortable and sitting some un in uncomfortable feelings is an important part in building that confidence. And, oh man, I can do better at that. Also, I, like, as you were describing that, I realized, yeah, my husband sometimes does that to me and it makes me not want to talk to him. So (laughs) so you identified the problem. Another solution that might help. I found that sometimes it's hard to like have conversations where you're like looking into the eyes of your child because it can be a little bit intimidating. You need like a more casual situation, like maybe, you know, driving back and forth to errands or whatever, where you're just, you know, it it doesn't feel like so high pressure. And during COVID, I actually realized we did a lot of puzzles during COVID and we had some good conversations while puzzling because no one's looking at each other. We're just kind of mindlessly, you know, finishing the puzzle. And just, I found that my kids started talking and we had some good conversations. So that's one of my biggest tips. I don't have girls. So especially for boys, that is crucial. Like I would just go rebound the basketball. Like my son would come home. I could tell he was mad. He'd go out and shoot hoops and I would go outside and I would just rebound the basketball. I wouldn't make it a conversation, but sooner or later he just started sharing or I'd be like, Hey, like you seem a little off today. What's going on? You know? And that casual idea of conversing is so important. And I think we overlook that. Yeah. So good. Well, a couple of your manners from your books, one of them was start a conversation like, and this really applies to kids with other kids or maybe kids with other adults. You say there's a simple formula, make an observation and then ask a question. (laughs) 
sometimes can be so hard, especially when you're in a situation where you're feeling self-conscious and you're really just thinking about your own feelings and, and stuff. But you also have a tip, be a good conversationalist. If someone asks you a question, answer and then ask a question in return. So I know when we have family gatherings, sometimes we are seeing aunts and uncles that they don't see very often. And it can just be awkward. Like I felt like they were closer with their cousins when they were younger, but now that they're teenagers and they all have like their diverse interests, sometimes we'll get together and they're like not even talking to each other. But I love the simple formula, the tools to be able to carry on a simple conversation. Okay, let's talk about some of the tougher topics. It's a family gathering. You've got some extended family. There are some different lived experiences, some different opinions. One of your manners is read the room, know your audience, but sometimes you don't know exactly where everyone stands on every issue. So this was an anonymous question from our Mom Force Facebook group. It says, how do you talk with people that you love about things on which you greatly disagree? Specifically, how do you share your lived experience, feelings, and beliefs without being dismissive or disrespectful of their experiences, feelings, or beliefs? And how do you listen to their point of view without being defensive when it feels like they're invalidating you? So this is tricky, but one of the things that I have learned is if both people aren't interested in engaging in a true conversation, it's pretty futile. And so I think it's absolutely okay to put boundaries around the things that you're willing to discuss with certain members of your family. For example, if discussing politics makes you like the people in your family less or people that you truly love that care about you, I think it's absolutely okay if they try to bring something up. I think it's okay to say, I'm not going to do politics today. I have a friend who physically removes herself when politics comes up in her extended family. She just said that she realized that she was liking these people so much less and they were good people and that wasn't worth it for her. So she'll just exit the room. And I think we need to kind of decide like, why do we want to share this? Is it because if you want to be heard and they already know how you feel and they're not listening and they're not willing to engage, then it's really just causing more contention than is necessary. I don't think we should shy away from sharing things that are important to us with people who will listen and be respectful. But I think it's important to say, are you someone like that? Or are you someone where it, we're just going to shout against each other and we're both going to walk away with the same opinion and liking each other less? So I just think it's, I think it's important. Sometimes I feel like it, we think now that it's so important to be heard, but realizing that no one is hearing you. Or every once in a while, if you feel like it's really important, just saying, hey, you know, let's say it's your mom. So it's someone that you feel like I yeah. got to be able to share this with her. You know, it's different than like an aunt or a cousin or something. And I think you could say, you know what, this is on my heart. I really just need you to hear me out. I don't necessarily want to have a back and forth, but I just want to make sure that you know how I feel and just say, this is it you know, and then you can leave that or you can say, or I'm interested in hearing how you feel, but it's not really a back and forth type of a thing. I don't think it ever ends well when you have two people who aren't interested in listening or changing the way they feel. Yeah. And I would hope that any of my friends or loved ones or my kids would be able to feel comfortable enough coming to me to talk about something that was important to them. Even if they didn't preface it the way that you just did, I hope that yeah. I have enough yeah. awareness to realize that it's never appropriate to argue with somebody. And especially if it's in a personal experience, that's so good. I know I just thinking of so many scenarios where 
like you want to be able to like, oh, but this and oh, but you're wrong or let me. But I just I think you're so wise. And, you know, whether we're the ones that want to initiate the conversation or the ones listening, so many good things to think about. But you're right. There's some topics that maybe just don't. Don't go there. <laughs> Read <laughs> right. the room. Read the room and just. <laughs> it's not worth it. And I think especially with people who maybe aren't super close to you, like, is that battle right. worth it? You know, so. I mean, there are people who, that's what they, that's like their sport. That's their Absolutely. thing. They love to go to battle. So if you got someone like that coming after you, just be like, it's okay. Just leave the room. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. I want to talk about texting because one of my favorite manners that you have shared with the world is about replying to texts. So I want to dig into that. But first of all, do you have a family text thread for your family? We do. Yes. Yep. What's what's it like? What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? Okay. So we have it just for like my own little family. Well, so here's the funny thing is I have four boys and just one daughter-in-law. And so like they're not super big chatters. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's a lot of like sports updates and pictures of my grandbaby and, you know, here and there. I love it. I love that there's a place where we can go to communicate with each other. So and just have a way to connect and like yes. drop in a funny meme or a photo. Have you ever heard that quote, I've never been held hostage, but I have been in a group text? <laughs> yeah, I don't feel that way about my family text threads either. I love no. everything that comes in. But our kids sometimes get in these group texts where it's literally holding them hostage. Like yeah. dozens of group texts where there's just, their phone is constantly going off. Yes. Do you have any advice to parents that have kids in this situation? Well, I think it's tough because I think... Well, there's another little problem that if you remove yourself from a group text, then you also remove yourself often from a group, right? Like they consider the fact that you don't want to be in that group. So I would just turn off notifications on those group texts and then they can check them when they have time. I also think helping them realize that they don't have to read every single text. So one of my sons is a very minimalist when it comes to communication. And sometimes he'll get done with a practice and he will have a hundred group texts or you know, texts on a certain group. And he just says, I just read the last one. And then I have, if I have questions, then I ask. <laughs> and that is totally fine for a friend group text, but not in your family group text. If my children are listening, that is not allowed. That is not okay. <laughs> Actually, we developed an entirely new way to communicate with our family at Chatbooks. It's called HeyFam. It's a free app in the app store. It is. It becomes like a home on your phone for all of your family messaging. So instead of a text thread that can become overwhelming or texts yes. get lost, you know you can go there. We have different rooms where you can have topic-based conversations. It has solved so many problems. I recently did a poll in our MomForce Facebook group about family text threads in particular, asking, you know, how's it going? What are your struggles? Or is it working for you? 65% of people said that their family text thread is super active and responsive, which I love seeing that. Awesome. 15% say it's pretty much me talking to myself, <laughs> which is, I've been there. Yep. 14% say it's a jumbled mess of different threads. No one dedicated spot to have that conversation. 5% say it's non-existent and I'm not sad about that. So anyway, hey fam, 
is a great solution for family texting. But even on HeyFam, I will say, like, I just message our developers. I'm like, can you please create a way that I can at least see if they saw my post? (laughs) Because I'm not getting the replies sometimes that I'm hoping for. Because replying, that is like, I get it in your friend group text. I mean, there are situations where it's like, maybe different rules apply. But when mama texts you, it's important. It's usually something important like planning a meal or an event or anything. But I think especially teenagers, they've just been trained to just like, like your son, just not ignore it and maybe read the last one. So the manner in Modern Manners that Brooke wrote is reply. When adult texts you, you need to reply. Rarely do adults text teens just to chit-chat. They are almost always passing on information. So even a thumbs up to let them know you got the message works. If they are asking a question, need a headcount for a response, or make sure to give it to them so they don't have to keep pestering you. But never text a child without including an adult. That is one, like, addendum to that. I followed your whole thread on this when you posted on Instagram, and there were a lot of adults that were saying, yes, please, I just need a response. But... Maybe as adults, if we are going to be texting another child, it is best practice to have another adult. Like I personally prefer 100%. to be included on texts that my kids get just yeah. for nothing else that I can like, will you please answer Remind. them? Yeah. <laughs> right. But it just feels like a safe practice. I totally agree. And one of the things that I have learned that's been so clear communication can solve so many problems, even as a mom. So for instance, when I send them a good article, I know it's going to be crickets. Like there's no way anyone's going to comment on that. They're just like, whatever, you know, maybe they'll read it once in a while, but I highly doubt it. And I get that. That's okay. But when we need something, we try to be like really clear, like, Hey guys, planning for Friday night, have to make a reservation. Let me know by 1 PM. If you can make it, if not, we'll assume you're not coming. Mm -hmm. And that helps so much or making dinner on Sunday, need to know how many steaks to buy. If you're going to be there, let me know by four because I'm going to the grocery store and you will not have a steak on Sunday if you don't let me know. You know, just being really clear. One of the things that I've realized from my boys that they've really taught me is being passive aggressive is a losing game. Do not do that ever. Like it's so annoying. If you want something, ask. If you need like, what's something, what's an example let me know. of that? Give, give us an example of what that means. Hey, guys, making dinner on Sunday. Would love to have you there. Hope you can make it. Making mm-hmm. steak. Smiley face. Okay. Like, that's annoying. Yeah. Like, just say, going to the store, making steak. Let me know by four if you want one. <laughs> Use <laughs> like, as few words as possible. Like, but be I very think clear moms and direct. are always trying to, like, be nice and make sure everybody feels happy and included. And a lot of times it just, like turns people off. You feel like a little bit manipulated because you know what your mom is asking and it's just easier if she just asks it. (laughs) Yeah. I always try to say no pressure, but would love to have you for dinner. If you can be there, give me a thumbs up if you are coming. And honestly, it does not always get the response that I'm looking for. One thing that my kids taught me was if they can't see the message in the preview, like they just only look at the previews. So like if I don't get Uh to the point in that one line of text that that just auto-populates, that chances are I'm not going to get what I you want. What? So That's a really good piece of information. So maybe when you start the text, say like, need a reply by four, mm-hmm. making dinner Sunday, let me know if you can be there, you yeah. know, and, and that that's a good reminder for me too. 
Any other tips for getting fast replies? Okay, say you do have a really good article and you really want people to read it and then you know that they're not going to read it if they yeah. if you just text it to them. What's a good way to communicate that? Honestly, with adult kids, like it's up to them oh. and and we just got to be okay with it or sometimes like just sending a quote from it. Sometimes I'll just like screenshot a portion of the article and just send like that one little quote. If there are kids in your home, awesome. Like bring it out at dinner, read the, read the most important parts. Or, you know, I have a friend who offers money for her kids who will read and discuss articles or listen to podcasts with her. I think it works different for every family. And if, if your kids are motivated by money, I think it's a great idea if that's something that would work. So yeah. I love that. What about read receipts? Do you love them or hate them? I don't do them. I am not, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to convince all my kids to put them on because sometimes I just want to know that they've even seen it. Because, you yes. know, like, if you don't get a response, you're like, oh my gosh. And sometimes you, it is a timely thing. I've turned mine on and I find that it keeps me accountable because... Oh. I'll either be like, if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Because I either like, I know I'm not ready to respond to whatever this is. So I'm not even going to read it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's great. But once I read it, like I at least have to respond. Because I think sometimes what happens is you don't know how to respond. Like you're not sure yet if you're available and you got to figure out what your plans are. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, I'll get back to them later. But I know that chances are I'm not going to. Yeah. But even saying, hey, thank you so much for the invite. I'm not sure yet. Can you reach out? you know, in a couple of days or, you know, I'll try to remember to get back to you or, but at least you're not just leaving them hanging in. <laughs> that's a, that's a great idea. Like one of the manners in the first book was decline kindly. Yeah. I think sometimes our teenagers just don't know how to say no. And so they just ignore it. Yeah. I think that's a problem and teaching our kids early on that it's okay to say like, I'm sorry, I can't make it. Or that sounds fun, but I won't be there. Or I have to check with my mom you know, whatever. Like I've heard horror stories about people trying to get babysitters Mm. and like, just like no reply, no reply, no reply. And they're just like waiting for a better offer to see if they really have anything to do on Friday night. And if they don't, then they'll babysit. But one of my friends was like, I would at least like to know that, you know, like, Hey, I'm waiting to see if I have plans. I'll let you know Friday morning if you still need a babysitter, but then she can move on, you know, to the next girl. So, yeah. Oh, so good. Okay. Here's another topic. What about kids feeling left out? Because I know I didn't want to give texting or a phone or anything to my kids when they were younger, but I mean, like eight-year-olds have iPhones at school right now. Amber, this is her question. She says, I have a sixth and seventh grader and I've refused to get them a phone or social media on their tablets, but they are very seriously being left out by friends because everyone has a phone or an iPod that they text on. There have been many arguments and lots of tears in our home over this. Where is the balance? My husband thinks that they will majorly rebel as they get older if we are too strict. They already know it's a big fat no when it comes to social media and they don't argue about that. But the texting, I am feeling drained and considering letting them having texting app on their tablets. What advice do you have for Amber? So so there was just a, a really good article in the Washington Post about what teenagers wish their parents knew about phones. And I was surprised at how many teens said, like, my parents made me wait and I'm really happy about it. Like, I would have never said that in the moment, but I'm really happy about it. A couple of things to consider. So there are phones out there that allow for just texting. And I think if you feel like your child is emotionally ready for that, 
I don't think middle school is a crazy time to let them like enter those waters. But with a phone comes lots of other problems. So there's Gab, there's Trumi, there's Pinwheel. There are phones that allow you to control what they can do on their phone. I think texting is, it's something that's really good to practice. I also know that kids aren't interested in texting somebody's mom's phone. So maybe getting like a Gab and there's with the, with the basic Gab, you can allow them to not even be in group chats. I think group chats can be really damaging sometimes if a child isn't ready, but introducing it really slowly where you check texts together, or maybe they don't have their phone at school, but they can come home and and get on their phone and you can look through the texts with them. I think baby steps and like having lots of conversations about what is and what isn't appropriate is really crucial when it comes to that. I am all for delaying social media. Absolutely. One of the things to just remember is not everything is going to work for every kid or every family. And there's going to be times where your kids are left out, whether they have a phone or whether they don't. And, you know, they might get a phone and realize they're still left out. And that's hard. Andrea runs Better Screen Time. She has a whole list of courses and tools for parents who want to do cell phones in a safer, slower way. So I, there's things out there if you feel like you want to be able to compromise and open that door. There are also great reasons for holding strong and letting your kids be kids for a little bit longer. Yeah, that's great advice to just baby step it. And, and we made the mistake with my oldest. We gave him a iPhone for his high school graduation. I mean, that was like in 2013. The world has changed a lot in the last 10 years. But we realized, oh man, he really needed to learn how to use that while he was living at home. And so we gave my youngest when he was 12 a, well, it was like a dumbed down some other kind of phone. But right now he's 15. He has a pinwheel. We love the Mm -hmm. pinwheel phone. And we monitor, we help him, you know, learn what's appropriate and inappropriate. I mean, yeah, you you might feel like your kids are left out because they can't text. But to your point, like the, the reason why kids are so, so many kids feeling lonely is because you see even more how left out you are with all the posts on social media. And Well, and just another, just a quick thought about that. So it's hard to see your kids left out in middle school, but sometimes when they have too much too early, they burn so many bridges yeah. that by the time they're in high school, when it really matters to be included and have friends they've already burned all those bridges and that's hard. I would rather introduce slowly, be left out a little bit in seventh grade, you know, and make sure that they're mature enough to be able to have group conversations and say things online that are appropriate and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, some kids do it really well either way. There's kids that, you know, are given a phone and, and do great. There's kids that are given a phone and crash and burn. And we just never really know until you're given that opportunity. So, yeah such great advice. Okay. Here's a question. What can my teen say when someone sends an inappropriate photo or video? So I actually did a post about this because this was a question that I received a lot over DMs. And so there are a couple um, suggestions, but the first one is just to be really casual about it and just say like, Hey, I'm not into that. My teens have said that when people know you're not interested, they kind of stop. Like they're not going to try and keep going. They know that there's risks involved. So just saying something like, hey, I'm not into that can be like the first step. If someone continues to send things, I think using parents is great. So if they come to you and say, hey, like this person keeps sending me whatever, 
I think it's great for a parent to jump on the phone and just say, hey, I was checking Jane's phone and I saw this. This isn't okay. And I want you to know if it happens again, I'll turn you in. Mm. And it's taken out of the kids' hands. You know, it's, it's up to the parents. Another great thing for kids to say is if somebody sends them something, just so you know, my parents check my phone every night. Please yeah. don't send me that stuff or we'll both be in a lot of trouble. Kids don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. And if they know there's oversight, it can really, really help them in making better choices. It's awesome if a kid is strong enough to be like, dude, you're a sicko. That's disgusting. If you do that again, like I'm talking to somebody about it. That's awesome. I think most teens are not quite that confident and yeah. ready to have those So use mom and dad as a cop-out. <laughs> like they, they check my phone. And I love that you've brought that up because I think it's totally within our rights as a parent to check their phones. I've heard kids say, that's an invasion of my privacy. Well, no, I bought that phone for you. It is something that I, a tool that I've given you to use in, in my home. I'm going to look at it. Like, I don't read all of my son's texts. We actually have yeah. Bark installed. So if there are words related to drugs, weapons, you know, racial discrimination, like hate speech, we get alerts. And then we'll be like, oh, okay, let's, let's take a peek. We don't read yeah. everything. But I think it's a good practice, especially as they're starting out, to just scan this is another reason why you should pl- have your kids plug their phones in your room at night. I'm a big fan of that. You should 100%. never let your kids go to bed with their phones. Those group texts go off all hours of the night. Yep. Just making them aware that like, yeah, like I'm going to check, I'm going to read it. And I actually think that kids like to have some of those boundaries and know yeah. that they're, somebody's going to check up and yep. somebody cares enough to do that. This actually reminds me of something that Anna McFarland said when she was on the podcast earlier, because kids are going to see stuff, but like, Absolutely. how do we hope that they respond? This is what she said. They need to feel like they can come talk to you. Like that's a hundred percent the most important thing that I'll probably say this whole time is that your kid needs to feel like they can talk to you and that there will not be shame attached to it, that you are just learning with them, helping them along on their education in the digital world. That is the most important thing because if they don't feel like they have you to talk to, they are alone with some of the scariest things that we can't even fathom. And they should never be alone. So it goes back to your answer to Ashley about just keep those, keep that conversation open and comfortable and confident so that they can come to you because they will see something. It's, It's just a matter of when we got a question, another anonymous question from our Facebook group, and this is kind of about bullying. It says, I have a middle schooler that's being bullied, and it's never in school. It's always outside of school through calls, texts, and social media. When it happened a few months ago, I reached out to a couple of the kids' parents, and it stopped for a while, but then it got bad again. I'm at a loss. My son is struggling and begging me not to call any parents again, but my mama bear is ready to roar. Brooke, what would you do? I think, I actually think that this is a problem worth addressing, but addressing it with parents is hard. One of the things that I think every parent, while that mama is feeling mama bear, so is that other mom. Mm -hmm. And so when you bring something to this mom, it's saying, you know, your kid is a slime ball, you know, look what he's doing, or can you please get your kids under control? Like her immediate response is to be protective of her child, right? So that can be kind of tricky. I think definitely one of the things that I would suggest is doing something similar to when somebody sends you an inappropriate picture is if you see that online, screenshot it on your child's phone, unless it is like child pornography, but if it's bullying, absolutely 
screenshot that and send a message and just say, I've screenshot this. If it happens again, I'm taking it to the school. If parents aren't going to step in, then school might have to because things like that aren't okay. And you can even just say like, because of what's going on, I'm checking my son's phone every day and I wanted to let you know. It's really hard and it's hard that the thing that's so hard is sometimes when a child stands up for himself or, or when a parent stands up for their child, it doesn't go like we thought it should. And that is one of the hardest things about our world is sometimes that person becomes the villain where people are like, oh my gosh, he's so weak, he's tattling and all those things. And there are so many ramifications for actions that are, that are unfair. If it's really bad and something they don't think they can handle, I would consider alternative situations if they're making your child's life miserable. That's not something that any teenager should have to do. They shouldn't have to walk into school every day and know that people are going to try to attack them, that they're talking bad about them behind their backs, especially when you know it's something they haven't done or even if it's something that they have done. That's like a really hard road to walk. So I would, I would be very serious and deliberate. I, I think it's really important to talk to your child about how they feel. Sometimes as parents, we feel especially protective and our kids are actually okay. I know there's some parents that have jumped in prematurely and because of things they saw online when actually it was going to blow over and it was just girls being jerky and then they were going to be friends later. But because of the drama that got involved with parents, it, it exploded. And so making sure you're involving your child in what they would like you to do. But sometimes as a parent, if it's significant, you're going to have to step in, make sure you protect them and their mental health and offer them other solutions um, yeah. so that they know somebody's looking out for them. Sometimes it can be best for them to just, just work it out on their own with your advice and your, mm-hmm. you know, oversight. But depending on the severity, there there is a time and a place for mom to step in. And I will say my general rule is to stay out of all of the friend drama that my kids have been in. And there's only one time in the raising my seven kids that I've ever intervened and it was necessary. And in fact, my daughter, she was just talking to me about it the other day. Like, I cannot believe you did that. But, you know, I just, it was necessary in the moment. And and I think that we will all know if we are being honest with ourselves, if it's a just a mama bear knee jerk reaction or something really serious or important. I think too, like if a lot of it is online, like, you know, you can create the online experience that you want to have. Block those kids, block yeah. their phone numbers, block them on social media, get off social media. Like sometimes I think we want everyone to like solve the problem for us when we're not willing to take some of those steps. Like if social media is a harmful place for your child to be, 1 million percent, take a break, delete the account. It's not worth being there. Block the phone numbers. And you know what? If they're being jerks, you're not going to see it. And although that doesn't sound like the best solution, sometimes it's enough to be able to like get through the day, let something pass and look for different friends or people that actually value you. Yep. My adult kids, they even do that. <laughs> they will like take social media off their phone just because there's just a lot of heavy stuff out there. And sometimes you just don't need it's to deal lot. with it. I think also when we're talking about this topic, one of the things that we can coach are good kids who don't mean to be bullying that when we say things like, um, oh, not to be offensive or I'm just kidding, you know, like 
there are ways that we communicate that come across as harmful and hurtful when maybe they're not really trying to be. So I made a rule in our family years ago, no sarcasm. We're not doing it. We're not exercising that muscle because that actually just hurts people. So there are ways that we can coach our own kids as we are monitoring the way they communicate in text and other ways to help them, you know, really come across the way that they want to. I love that. I, there's a there's a matter that says, if people are seeing you like differently than you see yourself on the inside, you need to look at what you're doing on the outside, yeah. like body language, the way you reply, whatever it is. Like if people think you're a jerk, but you're actually really nice and you have great intentions, then there's a disconnect somewhere. And it's important to kind of find where that disconnect is. We were just discussing that in our home last night. So good, Brooke. Brooke, you are doing so much good in the world. We had Sharon Says So on the podcast a year ago, and she shared this advice, which made me think of you. I think it's important to instill explicit instructions in your children about what type of behavior is acceptable and what isn't. So often we think about just raising our kids in like, I want them to be a good person right? I want them to be a a worthwhile member of society. And that's great. It's important to be a good person. But sometimes to be a good person takes really explicit instructions about what it means to be a good person. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for all of your explicit instructions in both of your books and everything that you put online. Brooke, where can people find your books and all of the good stuff that you're doing? I'm really active on Instagram at Brooke Romney Writes. We have, I I mean, I think we have the most incredible community of moms that are willing to share and learn and support. It is just a wonderful place on the internet. And I am thrilled about, about the space that is there. Um, and then I have a website, brookromney.com, and my books are all on Amazon. And then Volume two is in Costco in Utah, Idaho, and Arizona. And if you get it at Costco, you don't pay for packaging or shipping. So it's significantly less expensive there. So I would I would love for people to check it out, join our community. I think I think you'll love it. And Brooke often answers questions from the community. So if someone has a question, do they just DM you? Is that the best way to get? Yeah. So yes, DM or when I do like an ask Brooke, I'll usually put a little question box that day. Like, what are some other you know mom to mom questions you'd love to have answered? So. Awesome. You're the best. Thank you so much, Brooke. Thank you. It was a great conversation. Isn't she amazing? I love Brooke and I loved all of her tips to help strengthen our families through better communication. All right. But before we wrap up, I have one more tip to share with you. This will also strengthen your family. Um, But it's kind of a photo tip. You might have heard me mention our new app called HeyFam the best way to message your family? Well, it is in the App Store for iPhone and Android, and it's free, and it always will be. And I would love for you to download it and let me know what you think. Our family is loving it. And one of my favorite features is all of the photos that get shared in HeyFam can automatically be added to my chat book which is so nice, especially with older kids. You never get to see their photos. You know they're taking them, but they don't share them with you. But they will share their favorites in HeyFam, and then I can just grab those and put them in my month books. Work smarter, not harder. That is my motto. Thanks so much for being here with us on The Mom Force. I would love to hear from you. Follow me over at Vanessa Quigley on Instagram and on TikTok. I'm on TikTok, guys, if you want to go there. Um, We also have our Mom Force Facebook page. Um, Come chat with us. See you next time.